What's up, what's up, what's up? Big J, welcome to the Real Talk Podcast. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, sir? Good, good, good. What's going on out in Charlotte, North Carolina? Well, I mean, actually, I'm in Charleston for three weeks, so. Oh, okay, okay. You just right down the road, then, not too far. Three hours, but yes. 80 degrees in December. I don't get it, but other than that, it's all good. Yeah, it's a balmy 72 out here in Las Vegas. It's been chilly the last few days, but the weather finally warmed up, so that's good, good, good. And while we're waiting on Indiana Joe, go ahead and get a crowd a little short intro bio about yourself, the first of your name, sir. <laughs> well, I'm Jason from Compton, moved to Oakland for about 10 years. Now I live in Charlotte for about, what, three years. Um, currently, I'm on a job where I got to travel all the time, so... I'm out in Charleston for the next three weeks. Um, you know, still getting used to this East Coast time and the weather and all that beautifulness. But yeah, it's cool. Um, what about you, man? I mean, why don't you introduce yourself? Go to that. <laughs> well, I'm the host. I appreciate you throwing the intro back at me. I'm Anthony Joseph, the man with three first names, middle initial D. I'll tell you what the middle name is later on in the future podcast. I'm originally hail from Bow. Birmingham, Alabama, road tie, Army vet, retired after 26 years. So now I'm just trying to find myself and just want to share my thoughts and views with the world with this podcast and hopefully get more listeners and, and more guests on here in the near term future. I was going to ask you, I know you're not a big college football fan. You know, I should have went to the game last night at Allegiant Stadium out here. I thought USC was going to run away with it, but uh, did you did you catch any of the highlights or did you catch the game? I actually watched the game last night because my son, I told you my son's in the band. So I was like, you know, let me support. And I watched it. And basically from what I saw, uh, USC went Hollywood. <laughs> like, you know what you know what it looked like to me? It was like Trump versus Biden. It's like or Trump versus Hillary. Everybody was like, oh, Hillary's going to win. Hillary's going to win. USC went up 17-3. And everybody was like, I guess we got this game. And all of a sudden, the defense didn't want to tackle. Wide receivers don't want to catch. Linemen don't want to block. And quarterback gets injured. I'm like, what is going on here? And then they tried to turn it around. And Utah just kept grinding. They just kept grinding. Uh, what do they call it? The uh, uh, the silent majority won. You know what I'm saying? It was like, what is going on? It was <laughs> because if you think Utah kept, they kept coming. They just kept coming. They they weren't scared. They weren't scared. But it was it was a beautiful game. Right now I'm watching uh with Southern versus Jackson State, and then uh, I've been flipping back and forth between that and the Georgia versus LSU. Um, you know Alabama's not in the in the championship this year because y'all terrible. But other than that, you know, <laughs> you know. So was your son at the game? With did, did he did he travel with the band? Yeah, he was in the band. He was there. Oh, man, you should have told me. I went out there and gave him a shout-out, see if he remembered me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, you know. I, did I ever tell you that you and my, grand, you, you, my grandmother's from Birmingham? Did I ever tell you that? Nah, nah, you didn't tell me that. Nah. My, my, yeah, my grandmother on my mom's side, her family's from Birmingham. Oh, okay, okay. So so where did, where, where did they stay here in Vegas? I'm always curious where these – were these power five big money schools? I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask. I know he's there. He took pictures from the stadium. He took pictures while he was there. Um, I talked to him today. He was passed out. Cause I guess they got back pretty late. And I, like I said, I knew they were. Um, they just knew they were gonna win. It was. It was. It was destiny. It just felt like it was destiny. And they just. They just got unfocused. You yeah, know? You know, I watched. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I watched the game too. It's kind of like a microcosm. Two games and one. I mean. I don't know if they should have kept that kid, Kalen Williams, out there. I read it post-game. He had a pop hamstring. Man, that's serious business, man. You know, he could have he could have really tore something up out there. Right. He avoided a couple good hits. Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at it, they they, they shifted him back into uh, – uh, what is that? They shifted him back into uh, shotgun a lot, and they just kept him standing there. It's just his receivers weren't catching the ball. They were doing drops. It wasn't like they, he was – he wasn't accurate. There was a later interception he threw. That one was a bad one. But for the most part, he was he was on point. His lineman gave up. I don't know what was that was about. And then his receivers not catching the ball it, it, again. And then there was a that there was a. I'm watching a touchdown last night. You know, it's, it's midnight out here. 
I'm screaming at the TV because the guy caught the ball. I forget the, the guy's name. I'm sorry. You know, I don't watch college, but uh, he catches the ball. And the, I think it was a DB had him wrapped up and he just threw him off. And he ran into the t- I was like, what is going on here? When does FC do this? But And that's why I was trying to understand for me, is that a problem with coaching or is that just players being players? Because the coaches, they're supposed to keep them kind of on point. But at the same time, your player, you got to be, you know, you got to keep yourself in the zone also. So I was, I was trying to figure out what, whose problem was this? What do you think? Well, it's definitely a combination of both. I think people often say coaches are underrated. I was talking to my son about this today. I think if you look at the different sports, I think NBA coaches get paid for the last six minutes of the fourth period. And I think NFL coaches get paid for the last two minutes of a game, especially in a tight game or being able to make those in-game adjustments and trying to figure out what's, 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 what's going to work and not always be so vanilla and stick to what got you there. I think a lot of coaches, especially uh, guys like Saban or whatever, you know, they get up in age and they get stubborn, maybe success spoils them, and they just feel like, hey, we're going to keep doing what we do. And if y'all beat us, y'all beat us, but I'm not going to make any adjustments. Mm. And I think uh, with USC all year long, I mean, they definitely had a potent offense. The defense has always been suspect, and they definitely caught up to them last night. You And I think uh, – a lot of these kids now, you know, I call them kids because I'm getting older, but they be trying to make shoulder tackles. You know, they don't try to wrap up when they hit people. They just try to blast the dude, you know. You know, that dude is as strong as you, you know what I'm saying? So right. If you, if you don't go there with the proper with the proper tackling technique, basically just wasting energy and allowing that guy to bounce off, you keep on going. So, yeah, I definitely saw a lot of those shoulder tackles last night from you mm-hmm. see that uh, kept those receivers and running backs up on their feet because you got momentum against momentum. So if you try to blast a guy and he bounce off, then, hey, he right. bounce off and then it's like lights out. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me ask you this because I know you you are an Alabama fan. Um, Road Tide, all that, whatever. Um, but um, do you think that Nick Saban's – do you think Nick Saban just can't recruit or do you think – because I think – I don't know if it's the recruitment. Is this a, a, a problem with recruitment? Or Nick Saban is, or Alabama doesn't have a mystique anymore? That's a great question. I mean, Alabama has won 10 games per season for the last 15 years, which is a record. They've got, I believe, seven national championships. I should know I'm a Bama fan. Of course. But I, but I believe it's seven national championships that Saban got there in 2007. What has definitely changed college football and college sports in general is NIL, but more so college football, the transfer portal. Used to be a time a kid had to sit out a year, but now that kid can just go right into another program and play. Mm-hmm. So, if, so if a kid's not happy, he can bounce out. Next thing you know, he's suiting up for another team, doing his thing, or he might be suiting up against you. And then I also think that with the NIL, you know, money money breeds envy. So if you take a kid like Bryce Young from Alabama, who won the Heisman Trophy last year got million-dollar NIL deals already making Dr. Pepper commercials on TV. Mm. Of course, that's going to breed jealousy and envy amongst the other quote-unquote amateur athletes with their sport beat. So, and Caleb Williams, he's going to find himself in the same predicament. I'm pretty sure he got some NIL deals, and I'm pretty sure if he wins the Heisman Trophy this year, NIL money going to blow up because he, he got to come back next year because he's only a sophomore. But, like, you got – okay, so you got – okay, you got Alabama. They've always been there. LSU kind of fell off. I mean, this is just me just watching ESPN and knowing what's going on. Um, Clemson has come up. Texas A&M has come up. Um, Georgia, they're, they've been around. So, it's like, is it more competitive in SEC now? Is that what's go- – that's all – it just seems like the re- – and then you had Nick Saban last, with, earlier this year complaining about how – about nil deals and we're not yeah we have we got the number two recruiting class now and talking about jackson state and all this that's why i was asking about about that what is it is it just more parody i i I don't get sec it's definitely more parody like i said uh and it's just hard like you know to to sustain sustain success over 
there's longer period. Usually in college football, you have about a three to five or seven year window where you totally dominate. If you go back, you look at the Miami Hurricanes, Florida State Seminoles, mm. uh, teams like that used to dominate back in the early aughts, 1990s, even Nebraska, you know. It's right, just, I remember Nebraska, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just hard to sustain that type of intensity, preparation, motivation, mm. and it's just unfortunate. The only place to go when you're on top is, is the bottom, and um, I just feel like the game is changing. It's definitely more monetized now. Uh, you're gonna have kids uh, choosing what school to base to go to based off NIL deals or based off commercial deals, and I think mm. this is. This is foreign to these college coaches because when you coach college, it's all about that other C word, control. You know, Nick Saban went to the NFL and he didn't succeed because he couldn't control everything. Because you got guys in the locker room making more loot than he making. But now, you, you go to college, kids won't make it money. But now they're making money. So you got a kid now saying, you know what, screw you. I'm going to go transfer. I don't have to stay here and play. I'm going to go from Alabama to Clemson or Alabama to Charlotte, go play for the 49ers in Charlotte or whatever. Because, hey, they're going to give me $5 million NIL deal, and I'm going to walk right into a starting lineup, and I just want to get to the league or just get paid. So it's definitely more business decisions that are being made now in the last two, three years. But it still comes down to coaching. You look at A&M, Texas A&M, they had, I think, one of the, if not the number one top recruiting class, definitely the top three, and they still mm-hmm. there. Because it, it still boils down to coaching. Because my thing, because I would say that uh, number one is is very is interesting. Because you you talk to coach, you listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts, and you listen to coaches, and they'd be like, "Would you want to go in the NFL?" They're like, "No, I don't want to go in the NFL." You can't. They don't listen to nothing. You got right. people making, like you said, making more money than me, and they don't want to hear this, and they think that they know everything. So now you got these NIL deals, and you're gonna have the same situation. You got kids that's making more money, so it's like so. Now do those coaches say I'll just do high school? Because well, you, like you said, control. Where's the control? But then it's gonna be because really the transfer portal sounds like it's free agency. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. It's free agency. So now you got, you know, it's like everybody's getting paid. They've been complaining about the schools getting paid, not giving money to the students and all this stuff. So now it's like we need to get them paid. We need to get them paid. Now the unintended, con- you know, it's always unintended consequences is now you got free agency now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you're going to have coaches that might not want to do college anymore because how can you control a million, a million dollar athlete? Right, right, right. Well, I think that one of the saving graces in college sports, you take a college football team, they got, uh, I believe, around five players on the roster, maybe, 60 of those are scholarship. And then you got some walk-ons and things of that nature, partial scholarship guys. So not everybody's going to get the NIL money. Not everybody's going to get paid. So mm. they're, they're going to be able to control uh, a, a good portion of the team, just not all the team. But the problem is, like I said, one of the problems is you've got a guy, once again, like Bryce Young, making Dr. Pepper commercials, got a $5 million NIL deal, but every, mm. all the guys blocking for him ain't got no NIL deal. Yeah, but but like like I think I forget what school it was. I, I again, um, where I think a booster came in and they gave like the entire team an NIL deal. Like it was like he had a product and he's like, okay, well, you guys are gonna, so I'm gonna pay you guys to use my product, basically. Mm-hmm. You all you all all you guys gonna be in the commercials and all this stuff. Could it be something like that that could even the playing field? Does that make sense? Well, you're going to have to definitely have a big-time booster like a Boone Pickens out of Oklahoma State or, uh, mm. you know, a Ross Perot or a Warren Buffett out there in Nebraska, you know, to come in and get a whole team of NIL deal. But here, once again, is everybody getting to see him? Is it equity across the board? Right, but everybody get paid. I mean, not everybody's going to be going to get CEO-level money, but everybody getting paid. You dig what I'm right. saying? So – you can say, well, yeah, like you said, Bright, you said it's Bryce Young. He's getting five million dollars, but okay, I'm getting five million, but everybody else across the team is getting a hundred thousand. So you ain't broke. You ain't rich, but you ain't broke. So, you know, was that settle some things? I, I you know, it's all like I said, unintended consequences. Money changes everything. 
Um, and it pissed everybody off. But it, you know, it's all about loyalty and trying to pay for that loyalty. Let me let me ask you a question since we talk about college football, then we'll let it go. How do you okay. feel about this? This because um, I was just talking to somebody about this about this Deion Sanders situation with him maybe going to Colorado. Well, I think it's a great opportunity for Deion. I'm sure it's not his number one uh, location on his bucket list, but it definitely gets him into a, a Power Five conference. It definitely gives him the chance to bring his coaching staff, hopefully from Jackson State, or some of his coaches get them into a Power Five situation where he can maybe develop his own coaching tree. Uh, hopefully he'll bring some players with him from Jackson State to come into a Power Five that normally wouldn't get recruited. Mm-hmm. to a Power 5 conference. So, I mean, there's definitely some benefits there. The location might not be ideal, but it is um, uh, an NFL state. You got the Broncos there. Um, so, there, there, there's a lot of opportunities there for Dion and his coaches and his players to, to take advantage and hopefully turn these opportunities into employment, earnings, whatever the case may be, get them on national TV more. Um it's, 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 it's hard to turn down these jobs. People say, well, why would he go to Colorado? Well, like I keep beating a dead horse. It's Pac-12. Uh, it's a chance to springboard to other things. There's a chance to get kids that might not be recruited mm-hmm. to a Power 5 conference. So there, I, I think the, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's kind of like the NFL. I was shocked that when Byron Leftwich turned down the Jacksonville job. So the rumor was he couldn't pick his own coaching staff. Whether that's true or not, I, w- I would hate to think that they were hiring his head coach and he couldn't pick his own coaching staff. That's what happened to Ty Lue. That's what happened to Ty Lue. Yeah. But then on the flip side, there's only 32 NFL coaches in the world. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, right. So, so if you turn down a job, you know, then, okay, then you – you went from one of thirty-two to zero of thirty-two, and uh, it, it's, it's it's just one of those things where I think if the opportunity knocks for Dion, and I hope he does well. I hope he's able to recruit well. I hope he gives some minority uh, players and coaches the chance uh, to go uh, play in these Power Five conferences, and, mm-hmm. and like I said, hopefully he can build a coaching tree, you know, and uh, go from there. And who knows, Colorado could just be a pit stop to to bigger and better things. But I think he definitely has to take the the opportunity to, to play to play his kids and, and, and the coach against against better talent. See my issue I my issue with it has nothing to do with football. I'm a, you know it has nothing to do with football. It more is about he came in there, he said God called him to go to Jackson State. He goes to Jackson State. He wanted to go and he wanted to raise the community. He wanted to build men he wanted to be, be pillars of the community. He was meeting with gang members and mayor and the state, uh, meeting with the governor and bringing in uh, celebrities in there, helping out the community. Then they filled up the stadium. They, I think, they had record attendance as far as in the SWAC. He had an issue with the with the with the with the coach. I think it was Alabama A and M. I think it was. Who's SWAC? They had the whole T-shirt campaign. Who was SWAC? Got the whole. Stadium saying who was swag, this and that. And then you leave. You bring all these recruits there, put them in a transfer porter, and then you leave. Now, I I understand it's a business. This is the business of football. Hmm. I understand about opportunity. I understand that. But he said, number one, I don't need the money. That's why I came here. That's one. Mm-hmm. So He's, and he said in his interview with uh, 2020, uh, I think it was 2020, he said, if I was to leave, he said, I'd be a fool not to entertain any new offers. But if I were to leave, the only reason why I would leave is because my coaches are the low, they, you know, they're doing an incredible job and I need them to get paid, which is okay. Now, if you don't need the money, you don't need to leave. Mm-hmm. So, and if you, so, and, and also, you, you don't need to leave. You got the recruiting. If you want to do the pipeline, cool. So what you do is you build a pipeline of coaches and you funnel those pipeline of coaches throughout the system. You stay at Jackson State. You build Jackson State. You're the reason why it was a huge uh, – I forget – I'm getting forget names. The guy from Gram, um, Hugh Davis. I think it's Hugh Davis. He went to um, went to Gramlin. Eddie George went to t- Tennessee State. You had a lot of another, other NFL players that went to these HBCUs. 
You encourage all these players to be in HBCUs. You he talk, you go on these press conferences, you talk about how HBCUs are being underrepresented in combines. You talk about how they're being underrepresented in the bowl system. Uh you tell you you had a whole you had a whole thing about FAMU and the a couple bowl uh characters classes you're supposed to do. You, you try to actively take them out of uh at Jackson State out of that. All these things, these changes that you made, you made build a whole new stadium, whole new athletic system. All these things, and then you leave. You come to the hood, and you you build a suburb. And you just leave and go out to the birds, and it just it, it does it does feel terrible. It does feel terrible. But I, I again understanding the business of football, I get why you would leave. I just don't like it. I mean, I think I don't I don't want to say that it's a promotion him going from Jackson State to Colorado, but I think it's a an opportunity for expansion. And mm. uh, I look at a guy like Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I mean, he's not getting hired as a head coach in college or pro. I mean, I, I just think sometimes when opportunity knocks and, and, and a challenge presents itself, that could be beneficial for a lot of folks. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. And like I said, who knows, Dion, if and when he does go out to Boulder and take that job in Colorado, I mean, who knows? We could look up and see Dion coach an NFL team in two, three years. See but he said saying? he don't want to do the NFL just because of the fact we just talked. He don't want to right. deal with million dollar players that don't want to listen. Yeah, people people say a lot of things. So <laughs> <laughs> till that money comes, till that money yeah. start talking. Yeah, if somebody give one of those John Gruden type contracts a hundred million for ten years. I'm sure Dion be Dion be like, "Yo, DocuSign, email that thing." You know, <laughs> I just it just. It's disappointing. I again, I get it. It's is is it's disappointing. It's like you like it's like back when baseball, same thing. Back in the day, they they owned the players and they took the MLB took with the uh, MLB went to court and they brought a free agency. Now you don't see a player be with a team from what it was five years maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I think MLB. I mean, you look at like that Bryce Young. I mean, not Bryce Young, Bryce Harper. What do you got? Like thirteen years, three hundred thirty million. So I mean, they give some some fairly outrageous contracts in baseball. I mean, they try mm -hmm. to lock you, they try to lock you up for years. But I don't feel sorry for NBA players or major league baseball players because their contracts are fully guaranteed. guaranteed. Right. But it, it's just one of them. And I'm an employee. I'm not a business owner, so I understand. An, uh, an employee wanting to have control over how they get paid and all I get that. But again, unintended consequences. The unintended consequences is I can't really buy this jersey with this player's name on it because next year he's going to be gone. I can't really invest in uh, a coach. If if I Could you imagine the parents that's met with Dion mm -hmm. and he brought in the Bible and the mayor and athletic director and Shadur and Shiloh and Travis Hunter, and we're all, and we're gonna recruit this person to come to Jackson State, a state that's the poorest, what the poorest state in the, in the union, in the poorest city in the union, and that's one of the poorest cities in that state, mm -hmm. with no running water, and all those stuff, and then right after that, even though you redshirted my son, and he's gonna play next year, and you assure me they're gonna play next year, you're going to Colorado. I just think that's a chance you take, sir. I mean. I think when you I think when you recruit a kid, of course you recruit a kid with the with the notion that hey, I'm going to be here for four years to coach this kid. But oftentimes, if that kid leaves in two three years, then the coach and the school doesn't get the benefit of that four years. You see what I'm saying? So I mm -hmm. think there's a I think there's a give and take on on both sides of that equation. I mean, if you want, and I think that's why the transfer portal was 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 created because your know, coaches can leave and go coach next year where a kid had to sit out and wait. Mm -hmm. So they finally came to their senses and said, hey, that's not fair. You know, coaches can leave and the kid has to sit out and wait. Mm -hmm. So I, there's there's definitely give and take on both sides. Uh, it's never going to be a perfect system. Uh, I agree with the transport portal. NIL is kind of sketchy. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely going to take some tweaking for sure. Do you think the boosters and this this is the last question I had because I was I was again I had some somewhat of a conversation with somebody about this. Do you think that the boosters and the alumni could have saved this? No. 
I mean, because think about it like this. When Saban was like, I might, you know, I'm thinking I might retire. The boosters came in and were like, nah, bro, you stay. How much you need? Mm-hmm. Well, the boosters, it's it's all about bragging rights. I'll, I'll bring it a little closer to home to you. It's kind of like your boy, Daniel Schneider out in D.C., you know, the billionaire boys club, you know, all about. He, he don't need that team, but he needs it for his ego. You see what I'm right. saying? And it's the same thing with boosters and alumni. It's, it's an ego thing. If, you know, if you go to that school and you become a billionaire and they and they build a science department after you and donate this and your kids get to go there for free and all this mm-hmm. stuff, where it 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 becomes an ego thing. And right. It's all about who can who can put the best product on the field, who can who can buy the best product, what money can buy, and, and they're. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nah, the boosters, no, nah, they're they're definitely corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just because if, if it's a money thing, and it's a if it's a money thing, you tell me there's no billion. I mean, I, it's probably not, but I'm just just hypothetical. There's no somebody come and say, "Hey, you said your coach need more money. Okay, cool. Here's a hundred, couple more hundred thousand dollars per coach right now. Boom, over. They can't. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. That's that's what I mean. Because a lot again, a lot of people just like I feel like they feel betrayed. Just, they really do feel betrayed. Like they, you built us up to take us down, pretty much. But uh, that's my that's my feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's all about bragging rights. It's all about egos. It's all about the shiny toy. You know, these college football teams, Georgia, Alabama, to these boosters and alumni, they're they're shiny toys. They get the box seats. They get the sweet seats. Mm. You know, they get to tour the facility. Hell, they get to build a facility. It's probably named after them, you know. So, mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's, it's definitely um, monetized on on a level like like we talked about a few weeks ago. That's way beyond our comprehension. Mm. That, that that we can ever imagine for these for these for these billionaires. And I think Daniel Schneider is a great indicator of that. I mean, he could sell that team and make a hell of a profit, but. He's not going to do it because it's an ego thing. He wants to be one of those 32 owners. Once again, there's only 32 teams in the world. Right. <laughs> and there's only 32 majority owners. It's kind of like Jerry Richardson out in Carolina. They finally had to kick him out of it. But, you know, he did it to himself. But, he, you know, remember he said, well, I, I'm not going to sell. And he finally sold it. And uh, so it's just uh, it's it's an ego thing for sure. All right, all right, all right. We're gonna jump into this to, to some politics. Talk about the Georgia runoff. So we're gonna jump into these to these politics because we got a big old election coming up here on December sixth, mm-hmm. Tuesday morning. That the, the state of the, the Senate hangs in the balance a little bit, even though the Democrats still have control. But now with a fifty-one to forty-nine advantage, they might be able to wreak a little bit more havoc out for the Republican Party. Right. I was, I was reading the news and it said that they have a high early turnout voting and it appears to be they neck and neck so far. Uh, this is, I, I, I call this, uh, the name of this, this has changed so many times for me, but now it's called, it's the werewolf versus the pastor. Um, yeah, it is, it's close. Um, I don't, I, I'm not too, the early voting mo because they said early voting really benefits Democrats, and then in in uh, day of voting usually goes for Republicans if it's high. Um, I live in North Carolina. Cheryl Beasley should have won. Um, she they had a lot of early voting in the uh, in the cities, um, and she still lost by a, long, a landslide. So Georgia is a harder re- to me is a harder read. Uh, they did knock it down to the last with this down to two people run off again. Um, I hope that Warnock wins. I don't think it's going to be a landslide like they think it's going to be. I don't know what it is about Hirsch Walker. I really don't. <laughs> they, they came out. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's a football star. I get it. Um, but they just they came out. He said he's a Texas resident. His primary residence is in Texas. He pays taxes in Texas. He owns a house that he hasn't lived in 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 Georgia for what over a decade decades. Um, I think it's his, his ex-wife stays there now or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, he does a boy. He he's had multiple abortions. He has mental health issues. He's shot at people, and it's close. Oh, I'm sorry. 
and he wants to be a werewolf because he can kill vampires. Um, <laughs> and it's close because he has a Trump endorsement. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't. The only way I can explain it is the South. That's the only way I can explain it. Is this is the South? Other than that, this should not even be a contest. It should not even be a contest. But the city, these people in these rural areas, they found a black guy they like. He's a football star. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, it, it, it puts me at a loss of words because it, it just doesn't make any sense. Nobody, every, all these people, you tell me 50% of the people in the state of Georgia, let's say 50 minus one, feel that this man is a viable candidate? Have you seen the rallies that this man is at? Oh, yeah. Really yeah. Dancing and spinning and again talking about vampires and werewolves and sitting around watching movies in late night. And what is going on? Explain this. You've been doing this longer than me. You explain this to me, please. I'm from California because I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. You from the South. Explain this to me. Explain. Well, before, I, before I jump into the to the south, you brought up a great point about early day versus same day. Why do why do you think that is? It gives you more options. So, like, if I okay, so like, okay, with my job, I work crazy hours. It's just what it is. Um, I when I voted in North Carolina, I voted early. I voted on a Sunday because it was the only day I had off. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things that gives you options. It opens more doors for you. Um, it gives you more of an opportunity. Black people have lower income jobs, working longer hours, things like that. So what happens is it does with the early voting, if it if it gives you more options of okay, I'm off on Wednesday, I'll go on Wednesday and knock this out. It gives you options. Or if I if I show up on Wednesday and the line is wrapped around the building, okay, maybe if I come back tomorrow, it mm-hmm. gives you it opens those doors. If you if you work have a higher paying job, which most Republicans, black people, white people do. They own, a lot of times, a lot of Republicans own their own businesses. They have their higher income, and they have income where they have more options, and they have uh, as far as working from home, um, time off, um, mm-hmm. things like that. You can take off on Tuesday. Or mm-hmm. a salary employee, you show up ten o'clock. You might take take two hours of vote. You go back to work. You work half the day. You still get paid for the whole day. If you're hourly employee, you can't do that. You just mm-hmm. don't. You're not working from home. You're front facing. Um, you you may not may or may not have a car. You know what it is out here in the south, especially Georgia, in the middle of nowhere, rural Georgia. There's no public transportation options, things like that. That's why souls to the polls was a big thing because you had people that didn't have a car or anything like that use the church bus. You know, choose the church bus to get to church, and the people that did have vehicles drove those people to the polling places to vote. Right, and they you know. You know how that goes. Now, all of a sudden, they're trying to take th- those options out, um, especially, I think, in Tennessee and Florida. I think they were trying to attempt to do that in Georgia for a time being. So you have those those issues that are going on. It's just it gives you more options. The more options that you have or the more days you have to get in that vote, the more chance you have to get that vote in. We need those. Lower income people, rural areas, you need those in order to get those votes in. They count on that. I mean, I think in New Jor- uh, in Georgia – I mean, in North Carolina, I think in 2016, they moved the polling place from North, North Carolina a And if you're into Greensboro, North Carolina a is downtown. Right. You have a large, you have large student population. You, would, in, in, you know, most HBCUs are in black neighborhoods. You have mm-hmm. a, and, it's a and, it, and it's a community center. So then you take that away from there and then you move it a, across town. Mm-hmm. With lower again, lower income people can't afford cars, mm-hmm. so they can't transport there. So you you're doing those things to you're making it more difficult to actually do a vote. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's those things. But again, some of that has to do with us. It's, it's not is the elected official you put in there as being participating in the system, going to actual meetings with the county, things like that. Some people do, some people don't. Again, but if you don't have no money, you don't have transportation, you can't get there anyway. So it's it's a revival cycle. Um, that gets worse, but we'll see. I, I think I, I, th- I think they're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams did a voter registration push. 
there's a lot of people, Black Voters Matters is there. It's focusing uh, the Democratic National Convention, the De- Democratic National Committee is out there trying to help people get, get their votes in. But it's still, even with all that, even with all those efforts, it's still close. It's still close. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into your question. How did you present to me about the South? And I think I might have shared with this you back, back in the day or with some other folks. I mean, if you look at the South, if you, if you look at the that region, if you look at that era and that mentality, we're only about 100, 160 years removed from the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And people say, man, that's a long time. Okay, well, we're only about, you fast forward that, we're only about 60 to 70 years removed from Brown versus the Board of Education in Topeka. Mm-hmm. And then we're only about, once again, 50 to 60 years removed from Jim Crow. Um, so if, if you look at all that in context, and it takes what they say, seven to 10 years for every generation mm-hmm. to separate, that's really not that much time. No, not at all. It's not that much time to change the culture, to change the mentality, to change the way of thinking and the way of treating people and the way of of treating folks. And I've always said that even my homestead, Alabama, they're still stuck in the 1880s. I mean, Alabama won't get a lottery. They won't get uh, professional sports teams. Um, they tried every now and then with the USFL, but uh, as far as like NFL, NBA, I mean, they're very much, they're very much stuck in, in their ways. And that just comes from that mentality of, uh, I think the South more than any part of the, of the country, it does not deal well with change. Mm-hmm. Does not does not deal well with evolution. Does not deal well with being progressive. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to somebody. And I said, "Hey, where are you from?" And he said, "Well, I'm from the East Coast." And I said, "Really? What part of the East Coast?" He said, oh, "I'm from Atlanta." I said, "Well, Atlanta ain't the East Coast, but if you you got people in Atlanta now who don't even associate with themselves being in the South because they're trying to break away from that mentality. They're trying to break away from that." Let's not let's not move forward. I stay stuck in the mud. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's stick to one ideology, one way of thinking, and one way of doing things. And and it hold and and it, and it holds the South back. I would even look at Charlotte. I think Charlotte is is breaking away from the South, even though it's in the South. Uh, it's a very progressive city. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what I read, you you know better than I do. You live there, but uh, there are some cities in the South that are trying to to break that that stigma and break away from that uh, old Confederate way of thinking or Jim Crow way of thinking. But I think at the end of the day, polarization and ide- ideology rules because people stick to what they know. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid of change. They're afraid of doing something for the greater good of people. And I, th- and I think the South has just always had that mentality. You know, uh, if you look at the West Coast, the North, uh, the West, uh, Southwest, but in that deep South, those deep South states, mm-hmm. they're just stuck in that way of thinking that if, if my people get it, it's okay. If your people get it, it's not okay. Right. <laughs> it's very it, 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 this is me being outside looking in this is the thing about the interesting part about the South for me is don't tell me what to do but I don't like what you're doing so I can tell you what to do what you do exactly don't tell me what to do but I don't like what you're doing so I can tell you what to do mm-hmm. and it's you know that it goes along with don't tell me what to do with my guns don't tell me what to do with my property but don't get an abortion and just like you said you brought up a great point how can 50% and the people in Georgia vote for Herschel Walker, who we all know is a blooming onion. And uh, but it just goes to show you how how much they are willing to stick to their ideology, how much they're willing to be polarized, how much they're willing not, how much they're willing not to accept progression or improvement or or somebody who's articulate, who's who's educated. Mm-hmm. Just and even in Arizona, I mean, Arizona is, is definitely becoming. Uh, a lot more democratic. I mean, they just elected democratic governor. Uh, they got two democratic senators. It, it, it's once again, it's like when people are willing to change and when people are willing to accept something that's better 
mm. what they're being offered. Uh, it takes a lot, and it takes a lot of generations, man. It takes a lot. Like I said, people say, oh, 160 years from the Civil War. Well, you know, just because the Civil War ended in 1865 don't mean it stopped in people's minds. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Just because the bullets stopped flying don't mean that the hatred and the way of thinking and the oppression and the suppression, that didn't stop. But there's a, the interesting part about it to me is that outside of L.A., San Francisco, and some of Sacramento, California's that way. True. True. If L.A. and San Francisco wasn't in Sacramento weren't that big, California would be Alabama. You're right. If you I mean, really, it, huh? I mean, that's what we call Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is Alabama without Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but, but then again, you brought up a great point because that's the problem with the South. You look at how can Stacey Abrams not be elected governor with all the the black vote, minority vote in that state? How can that be? It's some hot up shit. I'll be honest. I, I bl- <laughs> I'll be honest. There's a lot of things I bl- I just blame on black men, and that's one of the things I blame on black men. That's it, that's my that's my issue, and it hurts me to even say that. But that's I know those dudes, and you met those dudes. Mm-hmm. And you just like so you just not gonna vote for her? Yeah, because they stuck in the mud. Because at the end of the day, when you go to a black church, how many female pastors you got up in there? How many fe- how many female deacons you got up in there? But then you got a lot of black dudes that won't go to church because they like they see, they like I see the game. I'm not trying to. I'm like okay, so if you see the game, and you say you playing chess, and everybody in there playing checkers, mm-hmm. but you're not progressing. Number one, this is the thing: you're not progressing because you hold everything back because you're not participating. And then on the back end of that, let's just say okay, all right, you know this we didn't find it right. You're not stepping up. So it's like it's one it's one thing if you stepping up, you're not being supported. You're not stepping up, and the people that are stepping up, you're not supporting them because you, of whatever ego shit you got going on. And it's like, so are we just not supposed to progress. Well, I do believe that some some facets of conservative being a conservative does breed contempt. I do believe that. I believe when you're an ultra conservative, it definitely breeds contempt. Because if you have no room for accepting other people. You have no room for accepting other ideas. But black people are secretly... And that's the other thing that people don't really realize is that black people are very conservative. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're very socially conservative when it comes to ourselves. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the government, we're very progressive. We feel that the government should give us all we need to get. But at the same time, we feel like, but when we're talking to one another, we're like, I don't like this, I don't like that. You know, we ain't dealing with the gay stuff. We're not dealing with, that's the other interesting dichotomy. It's like, what are we really? And how do we vote? You know what I'm saying? In order to reflect that. Because I mean, we, we tout Martin Luther King now, but Martin Luther King was very divisive in the mm-hmm. black community when he was alive. Mm-hmm. Up until he wasn't really loved until what years after he died. Mm-hmm. If you really think about it, Malcolm, X, you know the. I just try to understand as a black man, what is the galvanizing force and where do we go? And I don't know because again, we're very like I said, we're conservative and liberal all at the same time. And depending on where you are is how we go. And how we vote, and it's not not it's not one thing that we're focused on. We're just discombobulated. We don't engage. We don't the things that we need to do in order for us to progress. We don't do, and it, it, but we sit and complain about the non-progression, and then it goes into a, a, a never-ending cycle because we're not participating. We're not being represented. Every once in a while, we do bring somebody in that we vote for, but we don't hold them to the fire. And the person that we voted for knows we're not going to hold them to the fire. And then we get completely, we get uh, disillusioned mm-hmm. and we then we don't participate again. And then it goes back. You know, all these things happen. It, it's, yeah. I think about this all the time. <laughs> I really, I think about this all. It's just, where do we go and what is going to, I mean, I thought that George Floyd would be that thing. I thought John Lewis dying would be that thing. Mm-hmm. I thought Killer Mike going on and doing his rants would be that thing. It's working. It's preaching to the to the choir, mm-hmm. but it's not getting anybody else in the church. 
if that makes sense. Well, like I said, you got to have activism. You got to have folks out there that are that are galvanizing the the black and brown communities and 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 there's a lot of money in this country and there's a lot of black folks with money. There's a lot of people of color with money. There's a lot of minority people with money. Unfortunately, rich people don't want to spend their money too. <laughs> We're not playing the game. That's the thing. We don't play the game the way it needs to be played. And then we complain about the game not play coming to our aid. You know what I'm saying? We're not winning the game, but we don't play the game. Mm-hmm. We think that we can win the morality battle. Like you should help us because we've done this for this country. As opposed to saying, we need to play this game the way it needs to be played. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I am, I, am I overstepping? Like, I just, am I seeing this wrong? I'm just, it's just to, if, I'm, if, if I'm seeing this wrong, tell me. I'm just. No, I mean, you're definitely making some good points. And I think that uh, it's, 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 I think it's kind of like religion, you know, having faith. Faith is unseen. And I think when it comes to like culture and society, there's a lot of intangibles out there. There's a lot of things that can be done that that people can't see, but but they're there if they if if, if, if they can see the forest through the trees. You know what I mean? And like you yeah. said, un- being able to see unintended consequences or the second, third, fourth, fifth order effects. Mm. Uh, you know, instant gratification, complacency, uh, being content, misery that bogs a lot of people down. In, in how they think and I think unless you have that voice out there like an Obama or uh, Jim Clyburn or somebody like that you you get you gotta have those voices out there and it, it's a constant battle man you know you you can't just gear up for election year you have to gear up for every year mm-hmm. and um, it's, 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 it's just a constant battle and, and a lot of it has to do with resources and being overpopulated and oversaturated mm-hmm. with information, disinformation, misinformation, whatever the hell you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Think about it. When we were kids, man, we didn't have all these devices and choices at our hands to process information. We went to the library or, <laughs> you know. Right. I took my kids to the library. They look at me like I'm strange. I'm like, dude, this is, <laughs> I love it. Like, I grew up with like, yeah, I haven't talked to you in a while, so I just want to ask you this question because, again, it's the thing that I think about. Um, grow, grow, right now, California, New York, Chicago, large, a lot of um, largely Democratic, largely Black populated areas, large immigration, mar- migration areas, that everybody going back home, everybody going back to the South. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got companies that are based in California, a lot of tech companies based in the South. A lot of manufacturing based, uh, I mean, uh, moved to the South. Well, Bank of America moved from uh, California. Now they're in Charlotte. Wells Fargo's moving to Charlotte. Um, a lot of these things are happening. It's creating these mass migrations to these areas. And it is kind of scaring these states, these Southern states, these large, large Republican strongholds. Why? Because then nobody want to be there no, back in the day. I don't want to deal with your backwood ass, you know, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to deal with these things, the, the idiots, things that y'all deal with. I don't want to deal with the weather. I don't want to deal with whatever issues that you deal with. Now, coming is saying, hey, we'll go, we'll buy you a house. Like I had a cousin that stayed in uh, my cousin's uh, husband, got a job in uh, Knoxville. They moved him out there. District sales manager moved him out there. And I, I'm seeing that across the board. How do you think that is going because I mean, I think Beto. That was one of the things where they were kind of they were trying to test things out in Texas because of that. Same thing that's happening in Texas. How do you think? How do you think that's going to play out? Let's say probably not. It may not play out. It didn't play out this year. Let's say twenty twenty four. It may play out maybe twenty twenty eight. How do you think that's going to change the landscape as far as those elections? Do you think it's going to? translate into the house more in in the senate at at all oh yeah absolutely because like i said i mean there's people flooding vegas from california and and oregon so and i heard people in the gym complaining about we're becoming more socialized and you look at the ballot i mean sisalag out here in nevada lost he's a democrat from governor but then masto won and she's a democrat for senator so you're going to start seeing politics people are just not going to vote one way on a on a ticket anymore. I don't think for the next few elections. I think people are going to be 
more diverse in their elections. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think if they really pay attention to the candidates and they really pay attention to the issues, I think they're going to vote candidate by candidate, issue by issue. And mm-hmm. it's, de- it's definitely going to hurt those deep red states if they get more liberal-minded, uh, left-leaning folks of center moving into those areas because I think I think Democrats and independents will tend, can vote Republican if they think that's mm-hmm. a good candidate. But Republicans are not going to do that. They're going to vote yeah. Republican regardless. And, uh, yeah, I definitely see those mantras shifting politically in in those areas where people are starting flooding places like Tennessee and Huntsville to live and things of that nature. Now, once again, big money is going to trump that. No pun intended, because even though to say Huntsville, Alabama becomes 60% liberal, but Alabama's always going to have two Republican senators. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to have more uh, registered Republicans and uh, the independent vote. And so um, I think Georgia was a great example of that in 2020, getting two Democratic senators and hopefully mm-hmm. Warnock can hold on. But once again, you still have a Republican governor. You still have a Republican secretary of state. So I think Atlanta is a great example of that where they got flooded you know, Black Hollywood, opportunity, economics, and and, and you see how the politics are, are changing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think once you once you get more folks on, on the right side of things being more open minded, yeah, it's definitely gonna change and cause some problems politically. But you don't see you don't see again, when you look at the maps, you see these blue dots surrounded by red. And the way I equate it to we both stay in the bay. The Oakland Antioch syndrome, where it's like everybody got gentrified, they moved to Antioch, and everybody in Antioch moved to Stockton. Everybody, moved, you know, what I'm saying they moved further, <laughs> further out. So now you got all these people that's moving; they can't afford to live in these cities because let's keep it real. These millennials, it's more about you know you got the different generations: millennials, Gen Z, Gen Y, whatever. Mm-hmm. They want to stay centrally located. They want to stay. They want to ride buses. They want to ride bikes. They don't want to own a car. They don't want to own houses. They want to rent. So they're driving the rent up. Those people that are staying there, they're getting pushed out. Where they're gonna move? They they're gonna I don't again. They're not gonna live in Birmingham. They're gonna live, move to the suburbs of Birmingham, where the, you have these red strongholds. Now you you can only gerrymander in so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eventually, you're gonna bleed over into those areas. Charlotte's kind of turning like Charlotte's kind of doing that. Atlanta is is expanding. They're kind of trying to control that um, as far, but you know you didn't see it. You know with uh, this last election, but I mean, let's say my son is nine. He'll be he'll be nine next week. So it's, what, twelve years? That's what three elections. Mm-hmm. Does that change? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Republicans. I mean, when you talk about immigration. And 11 uh, million undocumented immigrants and the like you said little malik turning nine and you know and, that, and those generations to follow us i mean if they stay actively engaged and socially conscious and intellectually aware and stimulated uh, it's definitely going to change the landscape of politics in this country mm-hmm. uh, and people just have to uh accept it and now hope that people are just going to stay stuck in their ways so mm-hmm. you know more to tell but uh you know, great talk. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I know that took. I took. A, I just took a minute, but it's just one of the things where it's like, man, when you start looking at the news, it's like this is crazy. Warnock and Herschel Walker is. It's kind of a tell of what is going on in the country right now. Yeah, well, um, like, we definitely we, to, we definitely had to address that in our future future podcasts and uh, some other things. So I'm going to allow you to to, to give you some to give some closing parting shots out there for society. Things you had on your mind, sir. You got anything you want to share for the populace? Uh, I got a 15-year-old daughter with a 17-year-old boyfriend now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and guess what he guess what he wants to do with his life? What's that? He wants to go to the Air Force. Okay. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Nothing wrong Ain't with nothing that. wrong with it, but you know, I know I, I know you military dudes. Y'all don't know how to act. So I'm like, you know, y'all don't know how to act. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to balance that out and just be as good a parent as I can, be a good husband. And then, um, yeah, just trying to move up the totem pole in this company. But, yeah, you know, like I said, it was a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We out here 
getting it done, trying our best to keep our head on our shoulders. Yeah. Hey, right, Sarah. Well, I appreciate that. We're definitely going to have you back on as a guest. And uh, like I said, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on this election. Uh, Georgia coming up on Tuesday. Uh, big game for the Raiders tomorrow against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the Rams got a big game with the Seahawks. So I don't think you're one of those. But uh, no, I mean, I told you, I, 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 my fantasy team is doing pretty right now. I'm at 500 on my fantasy team. Um, I did some bad picks for a couple of weeks. I should be eight and four, but um, yeah, but I did some bad, some some miscalculations on some of my picks. Um, yeah, uh, well, let me ask you this: Who? You, okay, so with the Warnock Herschel Walker, who do you think is gonna win? That's one. What do you think the margin is gonna be? I think Warnock gonna win by a percentage and a one percentage point or less. Yeah, you think it's gonna be that? You think it's gonna be that close? Yeah, because I, I mean, think, I'm thinking it's gonna be two, maybe three. You said a less than a percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you think it ain't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, he won the last time by point nine, but it's not a winner take all. You got to reach that fifty percent threshold, but this one is a winner take all. So, I, I I'd be shocked if he cracks fifty percent. I really do. Well, to the last, the other because it was three guys. It was Warnock one, mm-hmm. Herschel Walker was. Not too far behind. Then they had what two percent from a libertarian dude. So, do the libertarians go Republican? Oh yeah, they definitely that that's 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 a code. But if they do that, then Herschel Walker wins. I think it's splits, but like I said, libertarians a code word for Republican. They just don't want to yeah. come out and call themselves Republicans. I mean, we all want liberty, life, and freedom. But uh, I think that's a I think that's a code word for I'm a Republican, but in public I'm a libertarian. <laughs> I just, let me let me just because I, I I know we got to go, but I just want to because you're a military dude, you're a black man, and you're a military dude, and you sound like you're a Democrat. I don't know, you know, I'm not. That's it's yeah, 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 yeah. How know. is that? How is being all that in the military? Well, I can tell you, when I was coming up in the military, we didn't talk politics. I mean, we didn't talk. The military, when I first joined ADA, was very uh, regimented and rigid. Uh, was very by the book. You know, we're all about closing and killing the enemy in combat. But then all of a sudden, you know, EO started popping in and equal opportunity started popping in. And then uh, cultural awareness started popping in. And you can definitely see how we became more in tune with our feelings, if that's the right phrase. Mm-hmm. Nobody asked me if I ever voted, but towards the tail end of my career, people asked me, hey, did you vote? You know, who you vote for? You know, stuff that's private. So, and I think that's because of the polarization of the country. But uh, politics was very taboo. I mean, those are things that you just don't discuss. Politics, sex, and religion. Those are like the basic three things. But now it's like expanded to gender and all kinds of things. But uh, I think you would be surprised. Probably the kids that came in post 9-11. Mm-hmm. Are probably definitely more right wingers, I would say, than people who came in before. I think I think it was probably uh, a good even split, depending on what was going on with the economy and, and society. But I think now the military is definitely uh, the, the younger generation is definitely more leaning towards the right. I would I would say because like San Diego see- was notoriously super Republican, mm-hmm. like San Diego, San Diego County. Portion that portion of Orange County that you know, being from California, but you got Camp Pendleton right there, and it's notoriously straight up like, nah, we don't we don't play them games. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be, that's why I, I just wondered. And as, when I was growing up, my family was very military. Like, you ain't joining, you know, you ain't joining. Even though I have a lot of military people in my family, they were kind of like, when they joined, everybody kind of looked at them like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I I just want I just wondered like as a black person that's in the military you were kind of up there so it's like i wonder what when you like when you're at the bottom of the totem pole you kind of expect certain things but when you up at the top and you with those conversations you start having like oh wow you really you think that like you believe that you know i wonder what how that was being in those rooms with those people yeah for sure like i said i don't remember people ever encouraging me to go out to vote when I first came in military, it's like you said, it happened later in the career because that's when the country became more divided. And, uh, 
you know, hey, make sure you go out and vote. And, you know, they would try to convince you of certain things and have discussions that were unauthorized in the workplace. So, um, yeah, I mean. Unauthorized? Wow. Yeah, like, well, well, like you said, you're not supposed to, you know, politics, religion, sex, those are things you just don't discuss in military. It's forbidden because those are private matters. Those are your private beliefs. You know, the military is about closing and close combat and defeating the enemy. When I came in, how it's a now you got uh, LGBTQ team month. You got a month for this. You got a month for that. You know, it's like every month there's something. But like I said, some of those things are good. I'm, they're not all bad, but it definitely brings out deep rooted feelings in folks. Right. Because I'll, be, I'll be quite honest. Some people join military just to go kill people, and I think definitely post nine eleven, people join the military to go kill brown people. Right. Even even over the enemy, you know what I mean? You hate to think like that or say that, but you know, I heard people say that. You know, I want to go kill uh, bad brown men, you know? So... And what know. do you do? When they say that, do you just, like... I was yeah. asking your, your experience, like, in that moment, do you say, like, do you want to kill me? What the fuck is going on? Like, is yeah, it like, okay, we're going to go kill these Iraq? I mean, we're going to go kill these Iranians and these Iraqis, or is it just, like, everything's cool? Like, I just... Well, it's I, just certain I, things that I'm like, it's weird. It's just weird. Well, when you ask people for clarifications, then you catch them off guard because people don't expect you to ask for clarifications. When you, once again, put in color, just say kill the enemy. Why do they have to be brown? You know, just the enemy. And that just shows you, like I said, when I came in, it was all about the enemy. But now it's it, it got more specific. You know what I mean? The enemy had a color. You know, the enemy had a religion. The enemy had a face. You know, it shouldn't matter if they were Muslim, if they were brown. If they were the enemy. They were the enemy. And just leave mm-hmm. it at that. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you just leave it at that. But now when you bring more context into it, then you add more divisiveness to it. Do you, you think Trump made it worse? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he definitely tapped into the to the white nationalism, the, the, the populist ideology. And uh, he made people think that this country was was worse after Obama for eight years and he got people riled up to think that America was was not a great place. And that's how he came up with that MAGA movement. But it but my thing is like the the is because the military is very like you said it's different. So you have this you have the civilian world and you have the military world is about you know rank and honor and function all that stuff and we're about saving the country and the constitution and that and that was I mean, yeah, they're still human. You're all still human. But I would just think that it would be a, because of the systems that are in place that it would be harder to penetrate that. But then again, it was it was built on that. So I don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? It would be harder to penetrate that with the Trumpism because it's like we still got to go out and be on this ship together. We still got to be out in Iraq together. We still got to we still on this run and this Humvee together. Like I say, you just don't know who you sit next to until the rubber meets the road, if that's the right phrase. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And and it, I guess when you I guess when you're in that mode, you're there, and then when y'all are like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go to the bar tomorrow, and then somebody starts saying some shit, and you're like, whoa. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. I thought I went on a tangent. I just always wanted to ask that, but uh, okay. No, nah, it's all good. I appreciate, like I said, we, I appreciate you providing those stimulating questions, man, and uh, they're very thought-provoking and uh, inquisitive. Hey, the more you ask, the more you know. You know, knowledge is power. And uh, we're definitely going to have you back on again. And uh, any any weekend plans for tomorrow? I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm I've finally reached knee brace age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a knee brace. That is like the weirdest experience ever. So like I'm gonna be resting tomorrow. I'm not doing nothing. I'm laying in bed for the most part. I got some laundry I got to do to get ready for the week. But no, nah, I, I, I actually my knee was swollen, man. It was crazy. I ain't never. I'm like I I've gotten this old right now. I gotta wear knee braces and ankle braces. Mm-hmm. Take Tylenol and stretch every day. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Would you thirty five years old now? Thirty nine. I turned forty. It. Oh yeah, I turned forty into this month. 
Oh, okay, yeah. You know, 40, man, they got them last good 10 years now just playing with you. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm 40, and, then, you know, my wife, she's trying to, like, man, we should just have one more. Nah, hell no. Nah. Hell, I told her I'm not changing my, I ain't changing diapers in my 40s. I said, we have another baby. You better have one of them kids changing. I'm not doing it. I feel you, sir. But like I said, next time we're going to get into that Game of Thrones, man, because I got a lot of questions. I know you're a Game of Thronesologist, so... uh <laughs> uh, we don't. We gotta get past this election, and uh, we gonna we gonna have to break some stuff down to me because I I've been doing some reading, but I'm still a little confused. So I love you. Got to do the Game of Thrones. We got to do the Ozark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started getting back into what uh, Yellowstone. Oh, okay. you know you 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 know you the one that got me hooked on Yellowstone. Why is that? You the one that told me this. He's like this Yellowstone shit is crazy. You, you want to watch it? And I was like. Well, that's okay. because I that's because I watched that uh, 1883, which is the prequel to Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Yellowstone. I just watched 1883. Now that's a dope series. I don't know if they're gonna. I haven't watched. I haven't watched 1883 yet, but Yellowstone. I watched that. I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to do Narcos Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Knock that but out. I gotta like for me with the nar- See, the problem with Narcos Mexico is that I don't really know Spanish like that. So it's like I gotta actually sit there and like pay attention. Pay attention. I can't be like washing dishes or something like that. So it's like I really gotta sit down and focus. I'm on this um the last season. I had to watch I'm, I just finished watching like the first episode of the last season. So um, I'm gonna get into that too. All right, cool, cool. Like I said, we're gonna definitely get back together, recap this Georgia runoff, recap this college football playoffs here. My boys get yeah, I ain't going to let that shit go. It's okay. Yeah, you, you're right. We definitely gonna break down these series. But hey, I appreciate the first of your name. I appreciate you goes out on the Real Talk podcast with AJ. Like I said, hit me up on Spotify, Apple, Google if you want to be a guest. And uh, y'all have a great weekend. And remember, the best ability is availability. Y'all be good. Stay safe. Holla. Peace. <laughs>